This is Justice Horn, and you're listening to Level Playing Field. Hey, everybody, this is Randy Boos, and this is my podcast, Level Playing Field. This is my podcast where I interview LGBTQ sports personalities. We talk sports, we talk life, we talk coming out. This episode, we talk politics. Something you're going to hear more of in the future where I talk more about topics that matter to the community at large. Before I get to today's episode with Justice Horn, I wanted to go over one thing. Last week, the story came out from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormon Church, where they basically reversed a policy from 2015. The original policy in 2015 uh, deemed same-sex married couples apostates and generally barring their children from baby blessings and baptisms. In 41 months since this law changed, or policy changed, they have reversed their decision. The historian Matthew Bowman said, Generally, church policies are changed much more slowly, and often, when they do change, there's not this sort of announcement. Um, so their decision was huge. Their policy they came out with on Thursday was effective immediately. Children of parents who identify themselves as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender may be baptized without first presidency approval. If the custodial parents give permission for the baptism and understand both the doctrine that a baptized child will be taught and covenants he or she will be expected to take, baptisms can occur. In addition, the same-sex Latter-day Saint parents no longer will be seen as apostates. It is a step forward between the LGBTQ community and the Mormon church. Um, It's encouraging to see well, we could probably all agree that they still have a long way to go. Anyway, so this topic got brought up with Justice. Um, I didn't know he was a Mormon going in. He told me, so I brought it up, butchered it, and I wanted to correct it now. Enough about that. Let's go on to our episode with former NC2A college wrestler and current SGA UM Kansas City president, Justice Horn. Welcome to my podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. The way I like to start is I just want to ask you, what's your earliest memory you have? Oh, so my earliest memory is probably, uh, I think probably uh, going with my family. I think it was in 06. Uh, we took a road trip to Atlanta, and that was just something that really stuck with me. And I think I was about five or six then that I remember it. Why did it stick with you? Uh, just because it was seemed like there was nothing else going on in the world. It was just all of us packed into an SUV, listened to uh, Alicia Keys at the time. Uh, she was predominant then, and just, yeah, that was a point of the road trip. And going to Atlanta to see family, and I just remember enjoying the actual road trip and enjoying the journey than the actual destination because of my family. Okay. How many people are in your family? You uh, five, including me. Are you all sports people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my mom played college volleyball, my dad played basketball, and my sister plays uh, on a full ride at Butler University, and my brother's getting scouted by Clemson and Gardner-Webb. Oh, wow. What does your sister, what sport does your sister play? Uh, She plays volleyball at Butler University. Wow, so you guys really are a sports family. Yeah, I mean, that's just our little family. I mean, I have uh, uncles who coach uh, football in college, and uncles that coach... uh, 
just other uh, sports too. And then I had uh, an uncle that played in the NFL, and then his son's playing for the University of South Carolina. And I have a couple cousins that play for Missouri State, and it's just yeah, all over. Wow, that's crazy. That's cool. When did sports start to become a part of your life? I think uh, as when I was brought into this world, because at that time, that's when my uncle was actually playing in the NFL, and and he would take the whole family out to Disney World or take us all just to trips. And I remember him uh, paying for everyone in the family to go to the Pro Bowl that was held in Hawaii. Oh, nice. Who's your uncle? Uh, Joe Horn. What teams did he play for? Uh, he played for the Chiefs, the Saints, and then uh, I think for a little bit uh, the Atlanta Falcons. But everyone remembers him because uh, because he got a fee for a celebration uh, touchdown. He pulled out a cell phone and he got fined by the NFL. That's what anyone remembers him for. Okay. <laughs> what sports did you start playing? Uh, early on, I did uh, in middle school. I played baseball, and then I soon. Would stop doing that, and then my freshman year, I would go out for football, and then then go out for wrestling, and then track and field. What uh, football and wrestling, track and field? What was your favorite? Uh, I really enjoyed uh, wrestling, but I do miss football a lot more. So I enjoy wrestling a lot more. Okay. What was growing up in um, in Green Valley like? It was something that. Uh, Something I didn't really enjoy, especially growing up in my adolescence, especially in middle school. And then my family would later move to Blue Springs, where I would soon graduate and wrestle there. But uh, they weren't, uh, they're more of a rural community and they're not uh, very progressive in thoughts with a lot of things, especially race issues and race related. Do you remember any like stories that really stick out to you about how you're affected by the racists? in that area oh i just remember not feeling like uh i was welcome there in the community and i felt like i was a walking uh walking target at all times especially growing up and figuring out figuring out who i was as an individual i was almost a double minority at that time and i still am oh yeah totally by the way since most people listening might not know who you are obviously you're interracial can you tell me about the background with your your family all right. Uh, yeah. So my grandparents, uh, my great grandmother, she's uh, Irish, and my grandfather's Polish. And then going down to that, like more specifically, my mom is uh, Caucasian and a mix of all that. And then she's also predominantly Polynesian. And then my dad is uh, black and Native American. Oh, okay. What do you know? What tribe your dad is? I think uh, Cherokee. Yeah. You're obviously dealing with. I'm going to be brutal, though, but the ignorant people in Green Valley, and I'm sure not all of them are like that. It's just there yeah. were yeah. some people that were. And those, the minority are usually the ones that make the vocal noise when it comes to the racism and everything. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned um, as you start to become your adolescent years, your preteen years, obviously sexuality became a part in everyone's life. But for you, um, did you like girls at first or did you always have a sense that you were going to be into guys and eventually you were going to realize you were gay yeah so early on as soon as i think fifth grade is when i started having feelings for guys and i 
I mean, I've never went through that uh, scenario where I've ever had relations or even feelings towards women. I just knew that I didn't know what it was called at the time or what it was uh, going on because I was raised primarily uh, up in the Mormon church and up uh, growing through that. And that's not something that was ever talked about. So it was just like a mystery that I kind of battled with because no one, I never saw what it was or any examples of what I was feeling. Oh, I didn't know you grew up in the Mormon church. We'll have to talk then about the recent news within the Mormon church last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We'll get to that in a little bit. In 2008 in California, Mm-hmm. We had the Prop 8 uh, proposition. Yeah. Mormon Church funded a lot of that. Yeah. Um, at that point, I mean, I guess you would have been about eight. Uh-huh. Was was it talked about then, or for you it still wasn't something you really were part of in conversation because you were still a kid? and. Yeah, that's something I knew. I didn't know a lot about just more policy side of things, but I knew about it because I know that there was a big documentary, I think called Battling Prop 8. It was something like that. That it, uh, Yeah, just, that's the only thing I knew about it was a documentary, but I didn't know more of the policy side. And I was primarily young because I was just, I was in uh, just early high school when uh, gay marriage was even legalized. When you start to have these feelings or you, you realize you're gay, <clears throat> excuse me, and you start to participate in sports more. Mm-hmm. Is there a pressure on you to keep that inside or do you, are you open? Like how does, how does the part where you come out to yourself first with sports? I mean, was that an issue at all? Yeah, it, it was an issue because I know at the time uh, we were just making progress as a community in relations to that. But it's something that I did, I think, because I tried to hide it so much. That's why I did excel in sports, because I used that as a distraction. I distracted myself from the fact. And if I was busy going to things, I, I felt like I wasn't thinking about it. But it would eventually uh, come to terms where I would have to battle eventually. But uh I just, yeah, I did so many sports to distract myself from it and, and think that this wasn't me or I, or I could never think like that. But eventually uh, having to come to terms with it my freshman year of high school and then just coming out to my football team the the same exact week, actually, Michael Sam did here in Missouri. Oh, wow. Well, I guess, did that make it easier then to come out? Or, or is that what yes. helped you come out? Yes, it did, exactly that, because it's... Uh, here in Missouri, uh, we're a big football state, and uh, everyone's crazy about Mizzou. And seeing him take that leap, and even, I mean, that gave me a lot of courage to do the same. And, I mean, people were just opening their minds to the idea, and they were just, uh, they've never heard of it. And then I was just living and breathing an example of them, uh, again, just right in front of them. But I remember it just being all over the news in Missouri, and that's anyone on the football team that could talk about and. That's when I saw the opportunity and finally took it. That's crazy. Did you have you already come out to your parents then at this time, or was the football team the first? So the football team actually the first. I actually did my football team, my wrestling team, my track team, and then my coaches all first, and then I would uh, later do it to my family. Uh, just I would do it to my parents my freshman year 
but I like fully came out to like my whole family like just this June. Football season's obviously in the fall. Yeah. Track is usually in the spring, isn't it? Yeah. And then a wrestling, I think, is winter sport. Yeah. How how do you do that first and then not and and I guess keep it from your parents? It's just something that they knew, and obviously the first week it got around pretty fast around the school. But other than that, it was it's because, and I think what helped it was because I played sports with them and I had a history with them, and they judged me on my character first and who I was and how I can compete first than uh, the stereotypes running rampant in their head with the whole, even the word gay. Yeah, I just, I think it's because uh, they knew me first and who I was, then uh, if I was a complete stranger that came out to them, they would, I think that they would react different, especially those on the football team. But they knew how much I contributed to the team, how much I did. And, I mean, I was a starter and just on my uh, ability first and who I was. You you grew up in a smaller community, right? Yeah. When you go back to Green Valley. How, how big is Green Valley? Or, I'm sorry, Blue Springs. They're more of a suburbs. We're a very uh, – we are in the biggest district as a school and as a – Basically, our sports, we are a 6A school, and we have a very big funded school, but there are about 52,000 people in Blue Springs. Okay. In football, your opponents, I mean, I, I would imagine the opponents know who you are and maybe even have heard that you're gay. Yeah. Um, and I think it's probably an easier sport to get away with from – being able to just hide in the helmet and, and do your job and play the game. Yeah. In wrestling, though, where it's, you know, the contact sport, one-on-one, yeah. did you ever get any backlash from opponents if they ever heard? Uh, I didn't get any backlash from opponents. Is I think, uh, I think it's just things like that in the environment that uh, things uh, thrive is uh, just leadership and I know that I had a very good high school coach that cared uh, about how we competed and being in environments that welcomed anyone and everyone because even Blue Springs we were one of the first uh, high schools in all of Missouri to start allowing uh, women to wrestle on our team and then slowly integrating them to I mean today women uh, starting to have teams all over Missouri and even having their own state championship but uh, honestly those the girls on our team got a lot more backlash than I did. I think it's also because the wrestling community is such a small community, and uh, we're we're such a tight knit community that a lot of these people. I didn't I didn't only compete in school. I also had uh, competed competitively, so that was in the off season, mm-hmm. and it was like the best of the best in uh, every school and at every school around the surrounding areas and in Missouri and Kansas. So uh, a lot of the best wrestlers on each teams are usually the leaders of the team, and it's about leadership and them setting the tone and environment about what's okay and what's not. So I, surprisingly, I didn't have to deal with anything because a lot of people respected me because of my skill and my athletic ability. But uh, I would say the women got a lot more backlash and even uh, just even the stories of opponents just I mean, just uh, not even wanting to wrestling them and just letting her win because of that. Like, that's nothing I ever had to struggle with, which is surprising. Yeah, that makes sense. Even my brother, my oldest brother wrestled in high school in late 80s, early 90s. 
mm-hmm. and there was a he would go to state championships and stuff like that and there were there was this one girl i forget her name but she just dominated yeah and i just remember hearing you know as a kid walking through the stands and, and playing around just the the attitude that she got and I'm, it's sad that it still hasn't yeah. changed as much as yeah. it has yeah what weight class did you wrestle in in high school for the most uh, part? I wrestled, I wrestled 220 in high okay. school. Yeah. One of the big boys. Yeah. And I forget, high school, is it um, Greco-Roman style? Uh, no, it's, it's folk style. Our freestyle, uh, our competitive would be freestyle and Greco-Roman. But uh, high school and college are, is all folk style. What's the differences between the styles for the, the, main, the main differences? So uh, the main differences with uh, I think folk style is just more traditional wrestling. As a freestyle, there's a lot more throwing, uh, and then you get more you get points if you push someone out. And I think freestyle is a lot more fast-paced wrestling, and matches are quicker. But it's not like uh, people aren't doing anything like in traditional. But Greco-Roman, uh, you can't touch the legs, and it's more upper body, and that's where you get a lot more of the throws. Obviously, sports were a big part of your life in high school your sexuality is that also when you started showing interest in politics or did that come later yeah that that came later i was just thinking about uh just trying to wrestle my four years in college and what i was going to do with that and then even pursuing uh wrestling on the olympic level i uh my coach there at blue springs high school he coached olympic team and we had a lot of olympic uh wrestlers come out of our programs and even come visit our programs and even uh having a lot of those uh, wrestlers from Mizzou go on and wrestle in the Olympics. So that was my goal then. Let's talk a little bit about um, you coming out to your family. Mm-hmm. Um, were they, you said you grew up Mormon. Were they still active in the church when you were in high school? Or are they still active in the church? Yeah, yeah. They are very active in the church still to this day. Okay, so... How does that conversation come about? How do you start to realize that, you know, it's it's time I need to tell my parents? Uh, just my freshman year when uh, when that's something I thought that they should know. That's something that uh, I would sit down and have a conversation with them. And although it wasn't the best conversation, it was still instilled in them that this was who I am and these were my feelings. And it's just something that wasn't talked about between the four uh, the four of us ever for like uh, my whole high school year and then even uh, going through a year in college and not really talking about it and then uh, my uh, competing at NSU openly and even coming out to my coach and then having to circle around and come out to them again June and them really taking me serious this time. Oh really? So it's like they didn't take you serious in high school? Yeah, no they didn't. Did, were you dating at all in high no, school? No, yeah, I just did not. Uh, I focused a lot more on my sports career and my career in general, and I didn't really date anyone. Okay, so you just locked into sports. and Yeah, yeah. So as you go through high school then, wrestling eventually becomes your primary sport, right? Did you play football all four years, or do you eventually stop? I I played football uh, all three years of high school, and then I was stopped my senior year because I was originally planning to go play football in college, but then I uh, got a series of concussions. And uh, Misha, it's a Missouri uh, basically high school association, said 
I can have so many concussions and then I'm just done playing football. So I finally got that final mark in June and they said I could not play and participate in football my senior year. So that's when gears kind of changed and I'm like, I need to work my butt off and get a wrestling scholarship. Did all the concussions come in football or? Yeah. Yeah, they were football related. Okay. So senior year then when you focus purely on wrestling. Yeah. How did you come to Northern State University? How were you? Was that your one of the choices you wanted or? Yeah, so actually I first wrestled at the University of West Virginia uh, Technical Institute. I went there and then would uh, just do my freshman year there. I would start on the roster. We didn't have a tough conference, and I had a winning streak there. And that's when I thought, this isn't what I want to do. I mean, I'm already starting my senior year. I already have a winning record. I want to challenge. And that's when uh, I decided to get a release, and that's when I would go – out and contact other universities and they would contact me and go through the whole recruiting process again but out of everyone i talked to uh northern state just came out of the blue and i mean coach rocky just called me up one day and i mean the rest is history i mean i remember it being about an hour and 30 minute phone call and then him getting me up to visit northern state university so wait let's back up though to western virginia because i i didn't know that so that was your freshman year of college yeah what was life like going from Missouri to Western Virginia? Uh, it's uh, I was actually in West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. Yeah, it was uh, not the best climate at the time because we were in uh, the 2016 elections then at the time, and I was in uh, deep West Virginia, and I didn't have the best uh, environment there. Although I excelled at wrestling, it wasn't the best environment so I didn't leave because of that, but it's like there's nothing really going on in West Virginia. I wasn't having a my career like it is now. I didn't have a lot going on then, and I mean I was just I move and I just leave things or very get disengaged if I'm not challenged, and that's what was going on there. Challenged like academically or in all aspects both? of life. Yeah. Okay. And then so you you go to Northern State University and and that's in South Dakota, correct? Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're the toughest Division II conference in the whole nation. And yeah. Comparing your first year at in West Virginia to your first year in Northern State University, was there a big change, big positive change for you then? Yes, it was. Not only the community, the school itself, uh, just the coaching regiment, the workout regiment, and everything was a big push. Like This felt like the real deal, and it was the real deal. And so this time, then you decide you come out to your coach. You come out to your coach first. Yeah, I did. I think uh, we were about three months in the preseason, and I did it before we started real season. I remember just really feeling uh, beaten up one day, and just going to one of our counselors that was a, a wrestling alumni there at Northern State University, and, and confiding in him, and just asking his opinion about what I should do. Because I really felt that uh, these group of guys were my brothers, and I looked forward to competing with them. And I, I was planning on staying a while there with them, and that's what I wanted to do. But I just felt like I was hiding something from them. I was just always sneaking around, and uh, just because they knew that a lot of girls liked me there. That's and just there was a lot of locker room talk with girls that would want to date me and just stuff with that, and just. I mean, I just felt like I wasn't being truthful to my brothers, so I would 
uh, come out to my coach, and that's something that uh, he surprisingly took very well. And I mean, there's always a thought because uh, wrestling is a very, very masculine mm-hmm. and hyper-masculine sport. You don't ever know how a coach is going to react, especially in the sport of wrestling. So he took it well, and I mean, he basically said, like, we care about how you compete, and you come in and, and work your ass off every day, and that's all we care about. He said, this is something we can keep between ourselves, or it's something I could tell the team, or you can tell the team. And I remember after practice, I mean, sending them all uh, down after a two-hour workout there, a uh, two-hour w- wrestling workout, and then just telling them. And I mean, it, it surprised everyone, but then at the same time, I was met with high fives and hugs and just everyone saying that they don't see me different, but they're happy that they that I told them. So is this the first time that you feel like you're truly out? Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier that your parents yeah. were starting to get more accustomed to it. Now you have a team, you have a community where you feel comfortable. Yeah. Are you actually able to, to date now and and be open yeah. about it? Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, as soon as this June, I came out to my grandparents, my whole family, and my parents, uh, it took them one thing knowing it, but now it's them embracing it, embracing who I am, and they're genuinely proud of all the things I've done. So then at the end of the year, you've had a great year. Mm-hmm. How, how was wrestling that year? Did you do well? Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, they had me, I had to, I wrestled 197, but they had me wrestle up at heavyweight because we had our heavyweight knot. Uh, he actually just failed out, so I had to make the step up and just a lot of, yeah, I just had to wrestle up, wrestling against guys who were 285 pounds, and I was only weighing about 215 oh, at the time. But yeah, it was a year I did for my team, and I remember, uh, yeah, it was for my team. That's all that matters was just making sure someone was competing there in that spot. And then, what leads you to change schools again? So I would, uh, I would start off there at NSU, going into my junior year, and I would do a semester there. So I was there for a year and a half, and uh, we had a new young robust freshman class come in and we were really grown as a team and uh, I remember one day we were uh, all coming in for one of our 7 a.m. workouts one of our wrestling workouts and that's something I still miss today although it wasn't the best we would come in at 6 a.m. and wrestle before anyone was up even in the whole city even the whole college but yeah we just things were off that day and things uh our coach came in. Uh, he said we're not having practice one day, and then we were all leaving. And then he texted everyone to be in the wrestling room at, uh, in 15 minutes. And then that's when uh, he tells us that one of our teammates there, that I mean, just got his first year there. I mean, we got really close with him. Uh, we all went to a retreat uh, to Nebraska the week before, and I mean, we really were growing as a team. And that's where it starts first is the first step of competition is having those relationships. But, uh, yeah, he came in and told us that one of our teammates died in his sleep, and that's something that uh, we just all sat in the room. It was quiet. You could have heard anything, and we just all confided in each other, and we all just sat there and just cried. I mean, everyone reacted differently, but... I remember that being a really low point for our team, and that's something that 
everything then started going to an investigation and then uh, comes to find out that he what's funny is was he was a really good guy and he died from an en- an enlarged heart his heart was too big and that's know. basically how he just died in his sleep and then it would later be sent out to the school the school would react in the city and then the whole nation would actually react USA wrestling and Minnesota wrestling would send out their condolences to us and I'm happy that everyone in that state, everyone in that college, and just even the whole nation seemed to stop for him to recognize him and just seeing where uh, we need to keep good things and important things in our lives. And I remember a month after that happening, we were going into competition and we were in preseason. We were a week out from our first competition. And I remember... Waking up one day, just not sleeping that whole week, and just thinking, is this something that I really want to do for the rest of my life? And I think uh, because of the death of my friend, uh, it was a life check. It, it showed me how short life could be, how short things could be taken from you, and how uh, things can change in an instant. So I remember thinking, is this something that I really enjoyed doing? I really enjoyed wrestling and my teammates and my coaches. I didn't feel like I was giving back to the world and leaving a footprint in the world and making the world a better place because if I was taken tomorrow I would just be known as a wrestler that's all I want that's all that would be known so that's when I, I I mean I thought the craziest idea of just leaving my wrestling scholarship leaving my team and leaving and coming back and pursuing my uh political career because uh, at that time I was uh, this was fall of this year, but June, that's when the Huffington Post contacted me, and then that's where everything started up, and then where I would get TV interviews and newspaper interviews, and then just become not known and shifting away from being the openly gay wrestler, but a champion for LGBTQ rights and using my platform to accelerate acceptance for all of us. So that's when I would make the step to very do that full time and move away from wrestling because I've had a, a very long uh, athletic career, and that's when uh, I knew that I was wanting to do politics, but it seemed like it, it came almost early on. So your first semester at University of Missouri Kansas City was this January then? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know it was that recent. Yeah. I take it it's also a little closer to home. Yeah, yeah, it is. I grew up here, and I have my mom's an alumni here, and I have deep roots roots here. A lot of people that I went to high school here, and a lot of people know me here in the city. I, I They know my family's name and just all the good that we've tried to accomplish here and have done. Do you transfer into the school knowing that you're going to run for student government? Uh. I knew, so my leadership roles at Northern State, I, I did a lot of things there at Northern State. I was a, I was in SGA there, but I knew that that was my next step because uh, as in, I wasn't just a wrestler there at Northern State. I did, I mean, I think 20 to 21 organizations and titles there that I had, but then I would move to coming here to UMKC and then just taking that leap. I mean... I think because uh, how I got elected and how I moved up so fast here at UMKC because uh, I'm just a very open person. I mean, I it's about just going and talking to people and listening to them and hearing them. 
and I think that's what I really appreciate, and that's why uh, I got elected the way I did. It's just uh, students have never seen any, anyone who's been engaged and just here for them. I hope, and I hope I continue to do this, but just give hope to those I touch and those I interact with. I didn't think about it, but I just made the leap of just, I mean, that's and I, that's what it is. I mean, even just me leaving NSU, leaving wrestling, it's just about taking that leap in life and seeing where it takes you. How do you submit that you're going to run for president? How do you, how does that whole process work? Yeah, so when I got here, uh, I know that I'm a school business major, so every school has a Senate seat. So I first ran for that seat and won that seat because I won primarily because they looked at my resume and the extreme all the, the leadership roles I've had, and I, I mean, I did it at my last university, and there's they've seen my record and what all I did, and they knew that I could fill that position and do that. So I would actually be elected in February as the School of Business Senator, and then, uh, yeah, I would be in the Senate for about a month, and then that's when I just knew that I didn't want to be a School of Business Senator because I did it for uh, two years before. That's not something I want to continue to do. And it's about uh, moving up ranks and moving up positions. So how the Senate is ran, you can run for the executive board. So that's president, executive vice president, administrative vice president, controller. And then uh, that's why I took the leap uh, because of my experience. And, I mean, compared to all the other candidates, I had a lot more experience. The only thing was I just didn't go there. But I'm happy that because people knew me, uh, being in student government in high school and all the things I did in high school and being in, uh, FBLA and DECA and all that stuff that they knew who I was, my character, and even because uh, of uh, just being there, it's almost like uh, coming back home. That's what it felt like to me, and it's just about uh, really just spreading my wings out there and just coming back to give back to my community. And students saw that, and just that's when they got on board and just really wanted to support me. So I would then submit my request and my form to basically uh, run for, for president of the university. And then how long does that term last? Is that a, a year thing? or? Yeah, yeah. So this, my term will end next year, like May 2nd. Oh, okay. So then has your term started out already? No, I am pre technically president-elect. I have a big inauguration on the 29th uh, at the end of April where I'll be sworn in, but I'm technically president-elect, but uh, I haven't let that stop me. My my whole look to it is you kind of have to set tracks down before the train starts, and that's what I've tried to operate as. Yeah, you shared your schedule for your first day on Instagram. Yeah. And I was amazed. You were constantly going. Yeah, and I think uh, – I'm not saying I have to prove myself, but, I mean, they trusted me enough to elect me. And I promised all all these things that I know I can accomplish. So it's almost like showing that. And and they've just never seen a president here that's been so engaged and so open and so transparent about everything. Like if someone emails me or wants to meet with me, I'm there. If they want me to come to an event, I'm there. And I've I've done a good job with that. Although it's it's exhausting, I'm not I'm not here to serve myself. I'm here to serve the students and advocate for them the best to my ability. Do you think you have time for sports, or are you basically done with sports for now? Uh, I've been thinking about uh, this summer. I can compete in a lot of like out of I could. There are wrestling tournaments here in Kansas City where 
no matter if you're in a college or not, you can compete unattached. So I'm thinking about uh, still doing that and just making sure I continue to keep wrestling in my life. But I, I don't know. We'll see where that goes. Okay. What? So let's start talking about politics then. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, 2016 brought a lot of change from the previous eight years yeah. as a president. You mentioned before you're a double minority, mm-hmm. you're interracial, you're yeah. gay. How tough was that for you? I mean, mainly in high school. And you go to West Virginia, you go to North Dakota, I'm sorry, South Dakota, predominantly white areas, I would yeah. assume. How tough was that to to be who you are? Yeah. So uh I, I think it's really tough because you always have to keep in mind who you are. And uh, not to sound dramatic, you almost are in those areas where I've grown up in Missouri, West Virginia, and South, South Dakota. You almost are an ambassador of the communities that you're a part of. So it's always about being on and being sharp and never, one, me uh, raising my voice because I don't want to be seen as an angry black man or or uh, just kind of falling into those stereotypes. It's not uh, me faking it, but it's always being on and engaged and knowing that I have to uh, just not lose my cool. I have to always be an ambassador of my community and show the good parts in it. Because sometimes I'm the only exposure they've ever gotten to a gay person or a black person or any of that stuff. No, yeah. I mean, I could see that easily being the first time for a lot of people. Yeah. So you're obviously in white communities, you're, you're interracial, you're gay, but then you also have the gay community who in 2000, I believe 17, Philadelphia mm-hmm. Pride came uh, out with a flag yeah. that added the brown and black. Mm-hmm. And I believe it was Philadelphia. I could be wrong. Yeah. What was it like to see the backlash within the LGBT community on the addition of the two colors? What it was like to me is that uh, we we can't, as a community, tout and embrace a diversity and inclusion and not hold true to those statements. It was surprising to me to see that, and honestly uh, disconcerting to me that we aren't supporting our own community members. I mean, this goes with all spectrums, not only being colored in the community, but there are a lot of I mean, a lot of people I know in the gay community that don't support, for example, transgender individuals or those who may not go into specific labels and they, they may, may just they just may be queer individuals. We can't support and tout being in the community and just be the community of, of gay guys. I mean, we can't do that. I think we are all a minority in the United States and we need to stick together and support each other. We need to support each other in all ways and aspects. And uh, I just think that that's something that we need to look in the mirror first and see ourselves first because we need to all be united on this because we all are a suppressed group of individuals. But it was very disconcerting to me. With the negative came some positive, though. Do you see hope? Yeah, I see hope because the first thing... The first step to progress is first change in education. I think once people are exposed to that and that becomes the norm and that's people get used to things, but time time is always an uphill battle and progress is always in the face of resentment. 
uh, if progress was easy, we would have been there already. I think there's always going to be challenges in the way when it comes to that. I honestly don't know a lot about how the Mormon church works. Yeah. You you probably know more about it than I do. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like a general council came out and changed the way children of gay parents can be baptized is one of the big things. Yeah. And then um, for you, for you, for your family, um, is this something that you as a family have talked about this week? Yeah, this isn't, I know that my mom is very, she's very aware of this, but even in the sense of just moving back, even just as simple as rhetoric against the LGBTQ community and the Mormon church has very, has really helped me. And I know that if it's helping me uh, being the son of two devout Mormon members in the church, that the church is moving faster than they are. It's almost, I think it's a positive because they're almost rethinking things. And I mean, you you not only saw that in the Mormon church, uh, just telling them, uh, their members to open up their arms to those who are in the community because we need to lead by example in the church. I mean, that was just big in itself. And then even to... Uh, I just think I think it's amazing that our church leaders are moving faster because they are. I mean, it starts at the top with leadership for the climate, but just seeing them change it. I mean, it can even go to uh, the current pope right now, moving back rhetoric on the LGBTQ community and just saying that, I mean, God loves all of its uh, sons and daughters. And I just think it's uh, good that the churches are, I wouldn't say moving with the time, but they are embracing god's work and what he feels i i personally don't believe god uh hates anyone no matter where they come he made us how we are i think it's about what we do with that we can use us being gay as an excuse and turn away from god but i think that's something that uh also needs to be really stated in the community and i know that uh the current uh mayor of one of the He's running for president, uh, Mayor Pete, oh, is yeah. really, really opening up the conversation that you can be gay and have a good and close relationship with God. Because, I mean, they got married in a church. But, I mean, we there are a lot of battles to be done, and especially uh, even the current and recent battle with the, I think it was the Methodist church, how they uh, kind of moved back having members in the church. It was like something like that. Yeah, they uh, they had a vote where they didn't allow – it didn't move forward as much as yeah. some members wanted it to, and now yeah. there's talk about splits. Yeah. I watched a documentary on Dan Reynolds and mm-hmm. the Imagine Dragons. He um, grew up Mormon. He had the Love Loud Festival in yeah. Salt Lake, and just how the week prior they weren't selling tickets, but the, the Mormon church sort of came out – not em- totally embracing it, but just letting it know that it's okay if people went and ticket sales went up. And now it's, I think, the third or fourth year, and it just continues to grow. So the Mormon church is definitely changing. Yeah. As you move into, I mean, I guess you win the Senate seat. Is it a Senate seat you win, or is it just at your old school and then at this school? Yeah, are you talking about my school business senator seat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I won that, yeah. So you win that one. You won the president, which you just announced last week. Yeah. What's your, how do you see yourself in the next few years moving through politics? I mean, you'll, you'll graduate in, what, two years? 
One year, yeah. One year. Yeah. So you'll graduate in one year. I'm sure you're a dreamer, so you're dreaming big. Yeah, right? I have this planned out. If you're, that <laughs> I figured you did. <laughs> um, and I know things change. But do you see the legislative route for you or an executive route for you running, you know, through yeah. state, national positions? Or how do you see it moving for you? What do you want to do? Right so. Now? What my plan is, what, what I'm hoping to do is uh, after I graduate here in UMKC and hopefully uh, do a lot of good and change here in the UMKC uh, campus and for the students that it's not only heard here but in Kansas City as a whole, that uh, after I graduate here that I use my momentum. And, and, and in this field, it is all about momentum and name recognition and just what your values are, what you what – you, are known for and I hope that people could see that reflected as me and the, my policies and what I agree on and disagree on but my next step is uh, hopefully I'm shopping around here at a couple of these uh, districts we have a lot of smaller districts here in the Kansas City area where there's a district that is just the size of the UMKC campus that engulfs that and I was looking and shopping around for a Missouri house run after my year here at UMKC and just challenging whoever is there because I know that a lot of students here have, uh, I mean, they don't even know who the representative are. And I just think with the, the way Kansas City is moving as a whole, we are seeing a lot of young candidates move up. And even for the mayor election here and even city council, we have a lot of people uh, that just come out of college or uh, that are younger that just run for those seats in those uh, local areas because I think it's more uh, on the local side of things. They just want someone that's going to live there and that lives the everyday lives of those people that they're going to represent. And that's something that I think I can. I mean, it's uh, the district will be UMKC and that's, I mean, I've, I've been here. So, I mean, hopefully the next step is a Missouri House run. Uh, but then after that, we'll see uh, how long I want to stay there, uh, where progress wants to be made. But uh, my end goal, which I hope to do l less than 10 years, is be governor of the state of Missouri. Wow. That is big. Well, I hope you get it. Yeah. <laughs> it has been a big, big few months for LGBT politicians. Yes, it has. We mentioned Mayor Pete, obviously to be, I think, third in the polls now. And it's so early for the presidency. Yeah. The polls don't matter. But to still see a gay mayor with a husband actively campaigning to be yeah. a third in the Democratic Party right now is huge. Yeah. And I mean, you I mean, you can see it here even on the local level. We just elected Sharice Davis from uh, the Kansas side. And she's a first Native American and a lesbian representative representing us on the, that side of Kansas City. So she goes to the House and represents us. And even uh, one of the candidates running for mayor, I mean, their their election day is this June. I mean, she'll be the first uh, uh, open lesbian mayor if she's elected here in Kansas City. Yeah, and then you, in Chicago, you have Mayor yeah. Lori Lightfoot. Yeah. I mean, it's been huge, not only for LGBT candidates, but also minority candidates. Yeah. Um. This country, maybe, if there's ever a positive with this president, mm -hmm. I still don't know if this is it. Um, but maybe the change in how we elect and who we elect. 
yeah. is going to be big. And I, I think, yeah, and I totally agree with that. I think with him came uh, just normal, everyday people just getting up and, and championing what their views are. And I mean, that no matter where you come from or what your ideals are, he did engage a lot of people to stand up because I know a lot of people that shift, shifted even – I mean, we can't wait around for people we want to uh, change things. If we're going and uh, winning elections and then we're part of communities, we're obviously going to champion the rights and the progress of those communities. So I'm happy that those in our community are getting up and standing up for our rights. And that's through, I mean, elections in the democratic process. Because, I mean, even, even me here at UMKC, I'm an openly gay president and then Next door, the biggest university in, in Kansas, KU, has an openly gay president, student body president there too. I'm happy that we're all striving for leadership roles and enacting change while we're up there. Well, it's coming to almost an hour of our time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Okay, so final 20 questions. It's just a mix of 20 questions I came up with. Yeah. Let me go ahead and start. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Uh, probably the ability to fly. Do you listen to podcasts? Do you have a favorite podcast? Yeah, I do listen to podcasts. So my uh, favorite podcast is probably Pod Save America. That's I just found that. Yeah, that's a very good one. Who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, everyone's gonna make fun of me for this, but probably Johnny Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might get some. Uh... Some jokes thrown your way? Yeah. <laughs> if you could meet anyone dead or alive, who would it be? I think it would probably be... Uh, uh, I don't want to sound cliche, but I would, I'd probably say President Obama because uh, just of his... Uh, pr- probably Obama and Biden because they were the first president and vice president to really be an example of what an ally should look like. Could you imagine having like dinner with the Obamas? That would be fun. Yeah, I would. I think it would be really fun. I think no matter where you come from, that that was an amazing president. Yeah. And yeah, I think we'll recognize that in ten years when we we won't do it now. We just got too used to things. Oh yeah, it'll it'll come though. Yeah. Um, what is the most interesting thing you've read or seen this week? Uh, the most interesting thing I read or saw this week, uh, the UM system here at, so the UM system is a University of Missouri system, and it oversees the big uh, colleges here in Missouri. So it's us, UMKC, Mizzou, uh, UMSL, University of Missouri, St. Louis, and the Missouri S&T were all the big four universities. But I found out that they give about $10 million to oil companies that's the most interesting thing i found out this yeah that is interesting you have a completely busy schedule Mm -hmm. but what is the most recent streaming obsession for you do you have one yeah i would i really enjoy watching the secretary of state on netflix it's like it's politics and she's uh i think a lot of people need to expand their reach with uh politics uh, is influenced by international and everything, and that's what she does. She's a secretary of state, and just we're not just America operating America. I mean, the world's so big, and for us to survive, we need partners. 
and just even the world's a lot more diverse than we think. Oh, yeah. Which fictional character would you like to meet in real life? Fictional character. It would probably be a... Probably Olivia Pope from Scandal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If animals could talk, which animal would be the most annoying? I think uh, probably birds. A lot of birds. (laughs) A lot of birds. I have a bird that is 20, and he talks constantly. It's not fun. (laughs) Who inspires you? Uh, Who inspires me is probably... uh... Probably Nancy Pelosi. It's just uh, in the face of resentment from all sides, she still leads with grace and the first woman. And she's really blazing the trail for herself and for those after her. I've never really been a big fan of her, but the past six months or so, she has really impressed me. Yeah, and that's the same thing. I haven't been the biggest fan of her like my whole life because I think things get stirred up by her. And there's also because the fact that she is a woman, she does get a lot more negative ads and negative just everything. But the fact that she showed that she can legislate and compete in the big leagues and that she has a seat at that table. What is your favorite word? Uh, probably a uh, legacy. I think the word legacy uh really something I'm holding close to me right now because I hope uh I know it may be early and I'm young to think about it but I always remember I always want to think what I'm leaving back to this world when I'm gone what I'll be remembered for and hopefully uh the good I enacted and and the lives I made better so just legacy okay what is your least favorite word probably uh <laughs> Probably ignorance, because I think uh, ignorance sometimes, I feel like ignorance doesn't always come from hate. It comes from not being educated. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to handle that ignorance, too. Yeah. You can be open to learning, or you can just double down. Shut down, yeah. Yeah. What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Probably uh, just people. I really enjoy people. I really enjoy just the vast amount of different people, the different backgrounds, different experiences, different upbringings, different beliefs, and just hearing their stories because everyone has something that sets them apart, and it's just extremely humbling just hearing other people's stories. So I, I would just think people. I, I do it for the people. I, I love people. I, I mean, that's all it's about. All right. What turns you off? Probably uh, those who can't open their minds or open themselves to other people's ideas. I just don't. I think because of how uh, I've really gotten to the places I have, and it's about just no matter where you're coming from, sitting down and talking to people. And just the fact that there are some people that won't even be willing to talk to people that have different ideas today, no matter what side you come from, is appalling to me. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? Uh, <laughs> I would probably say uh, I'm not really someone to cuss. <laughs> All right, we'll go with that. That'll work. All right. What sound or noise do you love? Probably the sound of a plane. 
because I, I really enjoy traveling and I I mean it goes back to my superpower just flight like I hope that whatever I do that I do a good job with it and that uh, I'm just free and I'm doing a good job with changing the lives of everyone all right what sound or noise do you hate probably the sound of uh yelling confrontation yeah ignorant slurs yelling hate what profession other than your own would you like to attempt and i realize you're a college student yeah so what, uh, what would you like to do just one that i'm not pursuing like something yeah. probably uh if I wasn't doing this, probably a lawyer in the business, a business lawyer. So studying business law and defending and and protecting big corporations from breaking the laws and if they really need to go to court and all that stuff. So still fighting for the people regardless? Yeah. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? I really wouldn't like to be like, uh, like something like an accountant. Something where you aren't interacting with people and you're it's just really cutthroat, like accounting or cut and dry, like numbers. Yeah. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What I would like him to hear me say is that I don't know that he's proud of me. That I, I did some good in the world. That it all wasn't for nothing. I did I did something. Cool. My final question for you today is one of the reasons why I do this podcast is I want people to, I want kids to know that there's other people out there like them that have dealt with the same struggles. Mm -hmm. And so I want to give you a chance to tell some 12 year old child who is going through the same struggles, who's come to terms with who they are, just something, a word of wisdom to say to them. Yeah. So I first off start by saying that, uh, no matter who you are, who tells you that you're not loved, you are loved. And that when the day comes that you will find who you are, and when that day comes to make sure that you fill your life, no matter if it's family or not, or friends or not, that people that support you and love you for who you are, and that you continue no matter what society's labels give you or what stereotypes that are put on you, that you continue to stand your ground, move forward, move in the face of resentment, and continue to blaze your own trail and do what you want because life is all about that. It's finding what you want and going for it. Justice, I thank you for coming on. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, you've been a lot of fun, and I really hope just so much success for you in politics. I think yeah. you are a good person who we need. Yeah. And maybe one day I'll be seeing a president horn up there. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we dream, right? Yeah, that's what we dream. Thanks again, everybody, for sticking around and listening to my interview with Justice Horn. Next week, there's no new episode. I will be back in two weeks with a new one. Um, please continue to like, subscribe, share, whatever you can to get these podcasts automatically downloaded via iTunes or Google Play or any other podcast platform that are out there. Please share with your friends and family who might be interested in this podcast. There is a change coming to the podcast. More politics, race, issues that matter to the LGBTQ community will be a bigger part of this podcast, as well as continuing to tell the story of future out sports personalities and athletes. Anyways, take care. Have a great week.